0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Almost Home Podcast. I am your host, Jared Stunquist, and sitting across from me today is the very lovely, beautiful, talented Jennifer Stunquist. Hi. Say hi, Jen. Hello. Jen is uh, my wife, for those of you who haven't filled in the blanks yet, and we're going to be listening to her testimony today. But before we get to that... I uh, think we wanted to kind of discuss the so the previous episode, which was my testimony. Um, touch on a few things there. Before we get to that, so prequel to the prequel, I have three icebreaker questions. I bet you did not see this coming. I had no idea. Tell me, Jennifer, what is your dream car?
1: <laughs> uh, a fifty five chevy 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 car like a bel air would be fine yeah yeah four doors specifically matte black yeah she's the only white person wheel. that white wants wheel. right white rooms
0: white walls <laughs> white walls yeah. yeah she's the only person that prefers the four door over the two door which is just fine by me we'll have it someday
1: you just have more people to tag along
0: well, same amount of people, just easier to get them in and out. Yeah,
1: I guess that's
0: true. I'm still cool okay. with the four-door. Wonder. Second question, and I knew, the, I knew the answer to that. <laughs> it was that. like when Gage said Patrick Swayze. I knew what was coming. <laughs> um, <laughs> second question, if you could be a professional athlete or coach, what sport would you choose? Oh, man. That's,
1: I like, oh. I don't, can I have, can I try both? Can I do both? Sure. I would like to be a professional volleyball player, a Libro, I couldn't in back row digger. I, with my height, I could never be a. <laughs> okay, front. I'm glad you cleared that up. <laughs> yes. And I Five was one. like,
0: I was, I was kind of thinking, what does your zodiac sign have to do with it? But Libro is a position, yes. not your sign. Okay. Yeah. All
1: right. It's when the back row player, when you rotate and it goes up to the front, then I would go out and somebody would go into the front. Okay. And so I would just play the back row.
0: Okay. Not a spiker.
1: (laughs) No. Gotcha. I would probably coach, like, cheerleading. Like, Chiefs. I mean, I would... Professional. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, I would like to coach college level cheerleading. Yeah.
0: Okay. And you know number three. It's the same for everybody. What is your favorite passage or scripture?
1: Yes. Um, right now, currently, the one that's on my heart, because um, I think I have favorite scriptures all the time. But most recently, it has been um, Hebrews 13:8. Uh, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever.
0: I like it. Yes. Very good. I think you can really hear me drinking water right then.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yep. So. Start
0: that? Okay. Um, <laughs> no, we're good. So, um, and then you answered those questions beautifully. So we're going to ask, what did you think of my test? Well, I asked that as if you didn't know ahead of time what was going to go on.
1: I think it was really good. Um, of course, I've been a part of your life for a while with seeing you evolve and to be different and to change. And, um, I think it just shows that what, what can be, how things can be different when you put God first. And it just really gives you a more clear picture of the things that you used to do. And you don't want to go back to that now that you have God in your life and you continue to, put him first in your daily your daily life like first thing in the morning and our finances and our family and everything like that and we're stronger than ever so I just that's kind of my takeaway from it was that it just just shows that when you put God first it's life-changing
0: you can accomplish anything and everything at that yeah. point yeah. yeah and I've had people um come up to me and approach me now um, after listening to it it's only been you know, a few days since it aired and I've had gotten text messages and I get messages all the time after every episode, um, people talking about it and it's, it's so far it's always good, um, about their, it's a good response to the messages and stuff. But this one being specifically about me, I got a lot of, uh, a lot of messages of, um, that didn't know even people here that have known me my whole life that didn't know the, the, depth of my issues or whatever
1: mm-hmm. so it's very vulnerable
0: yeah it's not easy but it's also it's it's not easy but at the same time I can talk about it because I'm past it mm-hmm. like I know now that I'm different than I was five, 10 15 20 years ago mm-hmm. um so it's it's easy to talk about because I know it's just a past you can not you shouldn't judge people anyway that's not what the you know that's for God to do, uh, not us. Let He, without sin, throw the first stone. Um, but it's it's easy to it's easy to talk about when you know it's in your past and it's not something you're doing. It's something you did.
1: Mm-hmm. So yeah.
0: Well, let's get started with yours then. Um, get started with your testimony. How you grew up, where you grew up, uh, where you got a love for old cars that you picked a '55 Chevy.
1: Shout out to my dad. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the floor is yours. Go ahead.
1: Okay. Well, I'm just excited that I get to have a mic and you can hear me <laughs> clear now versus the little whispers and giggles in the background. <laughs> um, but, yeah, to start off, um, a little bit about my childhood. I, I kind of have two different sides of stories of the childhood that I want to talk about. Um but the first one is kind of my religion background or my church background, I guess. Um, born and raised Catholic and my parents, you know, we went to church every Sunday. I had, I was in religion class every Wednesday night. Um, we, I was... Baptized when I was a baby, First Communion when I was in, I think it's first grade or second grade, um, and then I was confirmed in my junior year of high school. Yeah, junior year. So I did all of the motions that you do for being in the Catholic Church. Um, I really, I, I don't honestly even really remember much about scripture or God or anything like that growing up. It was just doing the motions. And it's not anything, like, towards my parents of not doing it. It's just, I think that's just what they did growing up. And, you know, they still, I mean, every Sunday they go to church. It's the same church where I'm from, um, which is across Kansas, a very, very small town. It's all mostly Catholic out there. Um, So there's not a lot... To choose from, that it's not very traditional. You know, there was never any contemporary type of churches out there. So, this was basically kind of it. Um, my mom, I think, was Methodist. Her side of the family was Methodist. And when she married my dad, that's when she converted to the Catholic Church. And, um, you know, I think they did a great job um, raising me to be. You know, I've believed in God my whole life, but I know the difference of now believing and following. And back then, I definitely just went to church on Sundays and went to religion class. Was not a fan of it, but I had to go kind of deal. And um, I didn't didn't get much out of it.
0: So I don't know much about um, Catholicism, I don't know what it means, uh, What what is to be confirmed.
1: Confirmed is, and again, it's not a lot that I remember, like no knowledge of totally, but you basically become a member of a Catholic, I, I, I think being a member, like a full member of the Catholic Church, like you're converting yourself to be Catholic.
0: It's like being jumped into a gang. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, and there, you get, you get to pick a saint, um, which is kind of part of my story a little bit. So when I get to that, I'll, I, you know, God doesn't do things. It's not a coincidence with things. So I, when I've been thinking about my testimony lately, I was like, whoa, that's interesting. Um, because I don't practice religion or, you know, the Catholic church anymore. So it's weird to see things back then. Kind of reflect now, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's you go through like a, it's a whole class thing of of like I had to take a test, I think, and everything, and it's I don't know. I was I was seventeen, <laughs>
0: and the the classes, the religion class you talk about, that was like a. A certain night of the week, after school, after sports.
1: Wednesday, I think 7 o'clock at night on a Wednesday, every Wednesday. Um, It was basically like a Bible study, in a sense, but you go to your your age group, like your class. So I did it from first grade all the way up to when I started taking the confirmation classes when you're in high school. Okay. Yeah.
0: Okay. And, okay, go from
1: there. Okay. Um... Yeah. So, childhood-wise, um, so I kind of wanted to just touch base a little bit about where I am with the religion, and you know, I've been a believer of God my whole life. Um, growing up in my town, and with I've been very blessed with the parents that I have. Um, they're absolutely amazing, and you know, I'm lucky to say that I still have parents that are together and. Um, we, I don't really, I I know I didn't have a bad childhood and, um, I had parents that are very loving and they did so much for me that I took for granted then. I had no idea how much they actually would do for me. Um, they let me be involved in anything that I really wanted to be involved in. Um, I had no idea what my parents' finances were. I still don't even know today. Um, Somehow, I was still able to do all the things that I wanted to do. And it wasn't, you know, anything extravagant. But I was still very blessed to be able to have everything. (laughs) But not, but I, I, you know, growing up in a small town, um, it's, you see other people have, you know the new cell phone like back in my time this was a big deal <laughs> the new cell phones or clothes and new shoes and all of these things um and I didn't get to have all of that but I got to do so much other things like you know my parents let me get I was in 4H um which is a huge big part of who I am now Um, I started as a tag along at 6 years old um for 4H and I did it all the way up until I was 18 um my my mom's mom and dad were very into 4-H and everything, and so that kind of filtered in. And um, so, good childhood. I don't know much about, you know, being in grade school, middle school, but in high school, that's kind of when things changed for me. In a small town, your friends that you have there, the people that you have, that's it. <laughs> like, and I'm talking when I graduated high school, I had a hundred kids my whole school. 29 in my class like it's a very small town and out in the middle of kansas your other towns are 20 30 minutes away so it's not like you could go like from here to baldwin or you know where it's five minutes away versus you know out there it's just your town's it (laughs) that's all you have so you have to make friends with the people that are there and um In high school, I had, well, in middle school and grade school, I had a friend, two friends, you know, from kindergarten all the way up. And then in high school, that's kind of when everything changed. Um, Facebook became a thing that was, like, invented. (laughs) And social media, text messaging, MSN Messenger, um, it was, that was my generation, you know, of when everything started. And cyberbullying was huge for me. Um, I was bullied on MSN Messenger a lot. You, it, it got so bad that my parents were printing off messages and were going to take it to the school or to their parents of these girls that were um, bullying me. And so that new invention was destroying my mental state. And all I wanted to do was be friends with people. I just wanted to be like all the other girls who were getting attention. And I wanted to be them because they were getting that attention. And, and it wasn't just so much for like boys, like from boys, it was from coaches and teachers, and it was a big deal just to be published in the newspaper in a small town, and, you know, then you see on Facebook who has the top friends, because they used to have a top friends section, you know.
0: On uh, uh, MySpace and... Why
1: well, I didn't do MySpace, but... Oh, they
0: had it on Facebook, too? Yeah,
1: the great when you came out. So you could see, if you made somebody mad, you get to number 10, you know, you were number one, but... Wow. <laughs> yeah, and so you would see this, this attention, and so it was just everywhere, and I wanted to, I seeked that attention because I wanted to be liked, and I wanted, okay, this person's more involved in this, or this person's involved with this, so I got involved with everything, everything, because I wanted to be included, I wanted to feel liked, I wanted to just not have the spotlight on me, but I just wanted to be where everybody else was getting attention, so I was in, Volleyball, basketball, track, cheerleading, uh, big brothers, big sisters, band, vocal, sad. Um,
0: you were in sad. Drunk. You were in
1: <laughs> Students
0: Against Drunk Driving. Yes,
1: I was. And if you
0: listen to my podcast at the time that you were in <laughs> elementary school thinking about sad, I was yeah. out there doing the opposite.
1: <laughs> yeah. We're eight years apart for all those people out there. <laughs> yes. So I was... Involved, and that was just in school. I mean, being in 4 H that put me involved in everything else outside of there. But I wanted I just I just yearned for the attention and then to get cyber bullied from these girls on top of just wanting to be them, I was still getting cyberbullied. And I mean I would come home crying Every single day, I would beg my mom and dad to let me go to a different school and to a different town. And I wanted nothing to do with this town anymore because of how bad it was. And I, back then, I didn't have a voice. I, I wasn't able to confront these girls or anything. Um, and so I just, I didn't even, I wasn't, I didn't even know who I was as a person, like a uh, growing up. Person, I just saw what was on Facebook and in mag. Like I got magazines back then too. <laughs> you know all the popular Britney Spears, Christina there That was my time, and you know everything that they had in war and stuff. And I wanted to just be like everybody else. After high school, I was. I just. I didn't want to be in this town because I was not liked anywhere. I had friends, but that's just because we had to be friends kind of deal specific I mean I have some close friend now but um so after graduation I was done like I went as far away as possible for me in Emporia (laughs) which is four hours away um but I was there for a year um an elementary education major and some crazy reason I got into the mortuary program or the funeral home working there so i switched majors and that's how i ended up in kansas city uh, because kansas city is the only school in kansas that has a mortuary program so that's how i ended up here in kansas city i did that for a couple of years and while i was in school um i Got a job at Rawhide, Harley Davidson. So I was going to school there, or I was going to school. I was working at the Harley dealership. I was working at Pizza Hut, I think, at the time, too. And so I would go to school from, like, 7 a.m. to noon, and then go work at the funeral home from 1 to 5, and then go work at Pizza Hut from, like, 7 to 11, and then go party hard from midnight to 3 o'clock in the morning for go sleep for a couple hours and then start and do it all over again and then I work at Rawhide on the weekends you know and then after I got out of school I worked at Rawhide for a while and that's how we met
0: and that's where we met and that's where your life changed for the better for the rest of your life
1: something like that <laughs> <laughs> no um <laughs> I'm getting all nervous, like, it's the first time I met you again. <laughs> no, we met, um, what year, man, 2011, yep. I think, is when I, because I started, like, right before you did. I
0: started in August 2011.
1: And I think I started in May, yeah, May, so I wasn't there very long, but, um... That was a wild ride. (laughs) Ride. Working. We met and... We became friends, but, I mean, if you're listening to the podcast or listen to Jared's podcast, like, you knew he was in the friend zone for a very long time. (laughs) Um, But, you know, while working there, um, when I say party hard, I I just drank a lot. I was drinking after work on the like i not to your extent of drinking <laughs> but more than i think i ever have um and that's just because of again i wanted i was i was seeing myself back into i needed to fit in i know no one up here in Kansas City area um at the time i you know the only people i knew were the people i worked with and went to school with and so I tried to just fit in wherever I could fit in, and liked the people that I could be around. Um, and, man, so after rawhide, um, and after I finished school, I switched. I switched careers after a couple of years in the mortuary program. And that's when I got into property management, um, working for the apartments.
0: Before you go too far in that, I've got to say one of the things that I found super attractive about you that I really liked about you was the fact that you were at school, working the funeral home. At this time, it was only the funeral home, rawhide, and school. And you were... Your only day off was every other Monday. So you'd work 13 days, one off 13 days. and
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I was like, I, I would have snapped, but uh, <laughs> I couldn't have done that. But you're like, you're, you're just work ethic. I didn't, I, it was not like the other girls that were working in the motor clothes up there that were like, oh, it's just a place to meet guys. And you were yeah, there working and just met this guy.
1: Yeah. Lucky me. <laughs> no, um, you know, but that honestly goes back to my childhood with my parents. Was when I, I mean, when I turned fourteen or fifteen, I had a job and I was working at the grocery store. And if I wasn't working at the grocery store there in town, um, I was working at the co-op during harvest for wheat harvest. I was working there. I if I wasn't doing that or it wasn't the season, my um, my mom was she still is the county treasurer for for Rush County, and she would get me a job there. Um, Mo
0: Christy Biddle. <laughs> yes. Um,
1: there, there were people that were writers in town that my sister was doing work for before, and she was able to get me a job with them where I would go do flowers gardening stuff in the mornings, and then I would go be a writer's assistant in the afternoon. Like... So, my work ethic and having I guess a workaholic in a sense came easy and it was I thought that was normal for what you're supposed to do is to have multiple jobs and you fit your social life in wherever you needed to.
0: Well, your dad, so like when you mentioned you didn't have the the fancy shoes and this and that. It wasn't because your parents didn't work or weren't poor or whatever. Your your dad had a good job, your mom had a good job. They're just not materialistic people. No. They either. have nice things, but they don't care what the other people have. They're not yeah. you know, they don't have to wear the fancy clothes and do that kind of right. stuff. So
1: And you're you know, when you kind of sit and listen to our, you know, family history and stuff well, my my mom for instance She was born and raised on a farm, like a chicken farm and, you know. Something something.
0: like 50,000 chickens or something. (laughs) Like Like,
1: 3,000, I think. It was a lot. It was a lot of chickens. She hates chickens. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, and my grandparents, my dad, or my dad's grandparents, you know more about the, my grandpa and everything, you know, but their generation and where they came from, it's, you earn your money, you you earn your keep kind of deal and you have the money to be what's provided for My dad had motorcycles and all kinds of really cool cars growing up. But then when he had kids, he put those, those nice things to the side. He sold them, made the money that he needed to, to provide for his family. You know, now he's back at it. <laughs>
0: with yeah. Everything. Some cool hot rods. And- yes.
1: Um, you know, so and my mom had, we do all the things you know, she, but that's just how it was, and so I thought that was normal, and I think it should be normal. Kids should have jobs when they turn the right age and sure. have jobs, but uh, that's a whole other podcast story. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, we started dating in 2013, I think. You think? think. Just kidding. It's 10 years next month, July 13th. <laughs> there you go. Um... Yeah, I had ten years. Um, anyway, so <laughs> uh, working in the property management, then I was able to condense only down to one full time job, <laughs> and we got engaged in two thousand and fifteen, fifteen, and then got married in two thousand and sixteen. Got a house.
0: She said yes on the second attempt to marry her. Yes.
1: Yeah. We were just in our first apartment, and they are like, we should get married. And I was like, no, that's not a thing. It's not going to be a thing. But here we are. Um, See? I knew it was best for you. Yeah, that's true. Um, so, 2016, we got married in November, and then we... I found out I was pregnant in late January or February, I guess more February. Um, and then we had our baby in July, <laughs> which was supposed to be in October. And that's kind of when my, where a lot of things happened for me. Mental state and and just, um, I can't kind of start with healy um so we went in to the NICU on that or we went into the hospital on that Sunday before and my I couldn't feel my the baby moving and everything so we went there got it checked out um ended up staying the night because of my blood pressure and everything and you know we got shipped to the hospital that Monday night to St. Luke's at the plaza Had him um, that evening, Monday night. So it went from two weeks to 48 hours to we need to do this right now kind of deal. And I was cool and content the whole time, I think. You're the one who was crying i was
0: freaking out (laughs) yes
1: but after they put me on that magnesium i was so like i had so high dosage i guess you would say of that magnesium stuff um i couldn't i didn't i had no idea what was going on i was very chill with everything for it um you know and my parents weren't there yet. My family wasn't there yet. Um, all of your family was there instantly, as they always are with anything with our family. <laughs> um, and so, I, I mean, the first time that I think I actually panicked was when I wasn't with you anymore. They, You had to go get ready, I think, whatever you had to do before. And then I had to get my epidural and all that stuff. And they had to keep a, a heart monitor on the baby so I was I had ties everywhere because it was like they finally found the perfect spot where they could hear his heartbeat and so one nurse was holding under my gown onto my stomach holding it in place with all the straps everywhere on me and I remember sitting on the bed and they're getting the epidural ready (laughs) and I looked at her I can't I couldn't pick her out of a, a lineup like I don't remember her very much but I looked at her and I was like I'm I'm freaking out right now. Like can I just pet your arm or something <laughs> because I'm I'm I don't know what's going to happen. And that was like the first realization of oh my gosh, what is going on? Like everybody talked about the baby, like the baby this, the baby this, the baby this, but nobody ever talked about me. Like I remember asking Dr. Florio, who you mentioned before um, in your podcast, you know, she's an amazing doctor. And I remember at one point I was like, well, what about me? Am I going to die? And she just looked at me like, no, why would you think that? You know, but I'm like, because nobody's said anything. Like nobody has talked about me at all. It's always, it's always about the baby, (laughs) you know, which was the, I get it. But at that time I was like, I have no idea about myself even, And, um, she was like, it's okay, just pet my arm, it's fine. I was like, okay, please don't paralyze me as I'm looking at the people behind me. And that's when all the panic started. Um, but, so after, you know, you were there by my side the whole time with the C-section and everybody was great and everything, I don't remember hardly anything at all, um, when Healy came out, they're, you know, talking, you were talking to me about it. I don't remember much. You were like, "There he is," and all I see is this little, like, silhouette of a little tiny thing, <laughs> a little baby, I guess, and his incubator. And they drove him off, and like, there he goes, and that was it. And I was so out. That magnesium stuff had me so messed up. I had no emotion about it at all. I, I didn't care. I don't want to say I didn't care, but I didn't care. I had no idea. Um, and then even it, when I got to the, um, recovery room, that's when my sister and my mom, I was, they finally got there. Um, and my sister and my mom, we went, they, um, walked with me, and they took me to, I guess, this is all by hearsay, or what my sister told me. We went to the NICU so that I could see him, Um, and my sister said that I just stared at him. Like, I had, I didn't cry. I didn't, like, oh, my gosh, my baby. I just stared at him, and I had no emotion about that I just had a kid. Um, And then we went back to the room, I think, and uh, let's see, a couple days go by. I'm still on that magnesium I think till Wednesday morning like early I think I got off of it like Tuesday night at 11 and then at 11 p.m. and then they said it would take an hour or so to for it to like get out of my system and that was the first time at 12 a.m. one o'clock in the morning that Wednesday that I was able to get out of bed even on my own um and so we you know got in a wheelchair, and went out there, and I'm still kind of loopy with it. I still didn't have any emotion, but then when I got back, that's when everything, like, kicked in. That magnesium, I feel like, kept me sane, <laughs> in a sense. And you were asleep, all right, like, passed out sleeping early in the that morning, and I had to call the nurse, and I was panicking. I cried, and... I had so I could feel my heart just beating out of my chest and I could hear it inside of my ears. like how hard it was just beating. And I called her and I was like, what is happening? She's like, "You're probably having a panic t- panic attack. You know, it's totally normal. I was like, I just had a kid. I had a baby. He's not here. The husband's not even waking up and I'm panicking right now. <laughs> like I'm freaking out in my own like I'm not okay. I'm not okay. And I think that morning you called my mom back and were like, hey, Chrissy, um, can you come back <laughs> to Kansas City, which is four hours away? <laughs> and she, I think she came back by that weekend, before that weekend.
0: Yeah, she, I remember calling her and just being like, she she wants you. She needs, you need to be here. There's she just wants something you about
1: a mom and a daughter, a daughter. Like, your mom's great. But it's not my mom, sure. you know. <laughs> so I it was just that comfort of like I need I need my mom. Um, so I got discharged from the hospital that Friday. You we were at work. My mom took me home. Um, I remember stopping at Firehouse Subs. I I needed a sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> um, and she stayed through the weekend, and then that Monday um, was. So a, a week later, um, was the first time we were my my mom and I went to the hospital. You were at work, and the nurses were like, "Do you want to hold him?" I'm shaking my head, "No, no." And my mom's like, "Yes, yes, you do." And I'm like, "Look at him! I'm gonna break him if I hold him." And they're like, "No, it's fine." They call everyone, res- like the respiratory people, the more nurses. All the people are in this room, and I'm just sitting here. Okay, let's do this, you know. And they put the baby, like, you know, three people are carrying the the baby and putting Healy on me. <laughs> the
0: the at, by this time he had already lost weight. He was like one pound four ounces yes. at this time. Yeah, and it, and still three people carried him over, like I mean, holding lines and yes. cables and.
1: If you want to know the size, like go find a new baby bird and how fragile it is, and like his skin is see through, and he smells awful, and <laughs> you know, so I still was not like I was scared to hold my kid for the first time. And that's not normal either. That feeling, you know, I should have been excited and everything. And I'm like, I'm I'm a week into having my kid, and I'm just now holding him, and that hits hard. <laughs> and then, um, you know, you get to have, you get to hold him, and you know, everything else. So we spend eighty four days at St. Luke's Hospital, um, and during that time. Well, when I had him, I did not want to breastfeed. It was not my thing. I was not something I wanted to do, but I felt obligated to pump at that time. And because, you know, they're like, well, he's going to have donor breast milk. Um, And I was like, well, then I just need to give him mine at that point. You know, so I felt obligated to, and I did. Um, And, man, I think it was probably like six to eight weeks into pumping um at home and that's when um it's hard
0: (laughs) when you were when you were pumping it was it was really hard on you
1: it was hard um I got done, and I went to the living room, and I sat on the floor and cried, and I was like, I can't, I can't pump for a baby that's not here. And um, I went back, and I washed all the stuff, and I, you were like, you're done, like, we're done. You don't have to. It's eight weeks in. He's fine. He'll be fine. Um, And that's when, like, more panic attacks were happening, and I was anxious. I thought I was dying, like, every day because I had a premature baby, and I don't, like, with preeclampsia, they don't know still what causes that. So, you know, this whole time I'm thinking of all the things that I've done wrong, to have a premature baby and um, that same specific night it was probably 1130 midnight and you're asleep and I called my mom I went outside and I called her and I was like I'm I'm not okay like my I can feel my heart just I can see my heart beating through my shirt And I was like, I'm thinking about having a heart attack, I can't breathe, you know, why is this happening to me? Why do I have to come home every day without my kid? And she finally calmed me down and I got off the phone. And this is the first time in my life that I just like looked up at the sky and I was so mad. <laughs> Sorry. Fine. I was so mad at God. I blamed Him first and foremost of, um, of like, what did. Why, like, what did I do wrong in my life that I have to come home every single day for almost 100 days without my kid? And to not have a beautiful pregnancy that you see all over Facebook and all over social media all the time of how natural and beautiful it is. And I didn't even get to feel him move inside of me, ever. And I feel like I just got... Everything that a woman is supposed to have, you know, we're supposed to reproduce. That's our, that's what we're made to do. And I can't even do it right. That's like, that, that was my mindset to like, what, what did I do to get all of this taken away from me to not experience the gift of like, be, you know, just everything that you got to feel inside of him. And, and to, I had to go a week without holding him for the first time, you know, and I just I I had so much hatred towards him because I didn't feel like I deserved that. I did, you know, I waited to get married and to have a baby with somebody that I loved and and it just got like that that's what that's what I get. <laughs> and you know, so I, I just got in this self-pity, um, and even though I had you and, you know, your family here, and I obviously had my family to call and things, um, but I was just so alone. There was no one else that I knew personally, like, knew well to call and just be like, I'm not okay. I don't know what I'm doing. Like, you know, I, I need advice, I need help, I need something, you know, I didn't have that, and so it was lo- it was lonely, even though I had you, it was still lonely, um, because we're both going through this together, you know, and it did make our relationship stronger for a while at that point, um, because it was, um, I mean, that was our world for three months. As soon as I got discharged, from the hospital i stayed home for that next full week i think and then that and a week later um, i was able to get uh, cleared to drive after my c-section and i went back to work after two and a half weeks of having a c-section and having a baby (laughs) and we did that for basically a 100 days and we would go to work, meet at our little spot on, by Go Chicken Go. No. <laughs> no. Church chicken. Church's chicken. Get your chicken right. I get my chicken <laughs> right. Um, drive 30 more minutes or 45, depending on traffic. And we would grab either something to eat um, on the way or at the hospital. And we would sit there for two to three hours. So by this time, you know, it would be... Any, 10, 11 o'clock at night, and drive home, which was another forty-five minutes. So we would get home by, you know, eleven midnight every day for ninety-nine days, and our debt started piling up because we we're getting pulling out credit cards for um, gas, money, and food eating out all the time. Because yeah. I wasn't gonna cook at ten o'clock at night, you know. Mm. And so we did this, and it was exhausting. And but it was our routine at that point. After a couple of after a couple of weeks, that's our routine. <laughs> and we, you know, I was fortunate enough then to go on maternity leave after he came home from the hospital, um, which you know they, you know, everybody who talk to us, you know, oh, well, at least you're healed, and, you know, you can get some sleep, and, you know, all the supportive things that, you know, nobody knew what to say, but it was the, the things that would come, I'm like, yeah, that's great, but I'd rather have my kid, you know, <laughs> but, um, so after, after a couple of years, um, you know, I'm in town that we're in in Wellsville now and you know we're starting our life with our new baby and um, it was still I'm still just very lonely I don't have a lot of friends I didn't have a lot of friends here I had your family and your friends and that was it and it was hard to be in a town that you don't know anybody and then you have a baby and you have no social life at this point you go to work and come home and that's it that's all you know and you still had your friends be able to go do things and um, I I guess I st- that's kind of when I started resenting that of i jealous I guess and I think I've said that to you before just jealous that you had friends and that you can just go over and hang out with your dad if you wanted to or your you know parents we do everything with your parents and (laughs) which isn't a bad thing (laughs) and um but it's just different when you don't have that yourself here and then you know I was depressed I was getting more depressed and um felt sorry for myself and then you see people that are having more kids and you see the pictures on Facebook with holding their new baby, and I've never been happy for anyone that had a new baby. I've said the things because that's what you're supposed to do, but I was jealous um, of them for it was it, for a very long time. It was hard for me to be happy for people, um, and then after you know we started going to a specialist and getting more blood work done and all the things for to see about another pregnancy if I were to get pregnant again. And um, the words, it's going to be 50-50. It could happen again or it couldn't happen again. And I'm a hypochondriac at this point. Like, sorry, but 50-50 is not going to work for me. (laughs) And, you know, we sat there for a while and we just... I I told you I was was terrified. I was terrified to have another kid. I don't want to die. I don't think I would emotionally handle losing a child. Um, You know, then what about Healy? What if I'm on bed rest in a hospital for three months and have to do this and you have to do it alone? Like, there were just so many things in my mind. I was like, I'm not mentally okay still, even three years later, and I don't think I could do this again. And, you know, so we made the decision to, you know, that we weren't going to have any more kids. And the,
0: the doctors, I don't remember the statistics on how many women don't make it through childbirth, but you were, this part I do remember, 10,000 times more likely to not make it through a childbirth than uh, a quote-unquote normal pregnancy.
1: Yeah. Sorry, but that's just not that's, good. <laughs> yeah,
0: that wasn't good enough for us. That was yeah. We were okay with being yes. parents to yeah. a, an only child. Yeah,
1: and, you know, yes, we hear, like, oh, you can foster, you can adopt, and all these things. Yes, you are 100% correct. We can do those things. It's just not the same for me mentally, you know? And maybe still that's in our chapter of our lives. I don't know. But at this time in our life... That wasn't... I I could not accept that fact, Um, but I still was more terrified of getting pregnant than anything, and so I went and got my tubes out, and this was either during COVID or right after COVID because I had to go into the hospital by myself to go get my... to have the surgery, and i sat in there it was they were behind so i was just sitting in there by myself and i'm already i'm already depressed i'm already like coming to the realization of like this is it like i don't get to have more kids from of my own like blood own and i've i've never felt so alone in my entire life sitting in a hospital bed, waiting to have parts of me taken out to not have another, like, more of a growing family with you. And it was depressing and um, just very low, very low. Um, mentally, mentally exhausting. I'm already. I don't know. It's fine, <laughs> but no, it's not fine. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but it just—it it was just—it's just hard. It was very hard, and my depression um, just got worse. And um, you know the, but getting away from that, um, Healy's getting older. You know, he's not life threatening anymore. And, you know, I've accepted the fact that of not having any more kids, we're going to move on, you know, kind of deal. And I think we, we talked about, like, we could foster, we could do this, we could adopt, you know, like we talked about that for a while. Then he, like, got older <laughs> and really, never mind, just once, <laughs> fine. <laughs> He's a lot. Uh, but I. Was starting to be okay with things and my panic attacks, my anxiety, my, I'm not dying every second or anytime I feel a bump on me or, you know, my heart gets racing or anything, all that was starting to fade. And I got another job working, managing, the commercial real estate versus the, you know, residential property management and, I was uh, there for a couple of months, and I had to go to the NICU room at the, one of the hospitals. And I did not believe in PTSD. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't understand it. But then when I came home and explained to you that I sat in a stairwell for a while and cried and had my, ch- my, te- my chest really tight, because I walked into the NICU clinic at this hospital, and it smelled the same. It looked the same, like the bright pastel colors and the sterile hand sanitizer that we had to put on thousands of times, you know, in those NICU rooms, and I lost, like, I could, I just... I, the person that was coming out of the room was like, I need you to give this to this person. And I walked out because I thought I was going to pass out. And I was like, I can't manage hospital buildings when I'm going to have a panic attack every single time I come in here. Every single time. I avoided that floor and would take the stairs to go around it. Because I every time I had to go to that floor to another room or another office I would have to because it's right there when you got off of the elevator so I would take the stairs to the other side and walk around so that I didn't have to see it I didn't want to see the NICU I didn't want to go I don't want to go back to the hospital and I don't know why I thought I would be okay taking a job managing hospitals (laughs) so I left (laughs) and um You know, got it I started working at another property and this is kind of when club life for you (laughs) took off. Um you know, you were very into it and I was supportive of it. Um I knew you for a while and I know your love for motorcycles and you've always talked about motorcycle clubs and you know, I was like I you know, the people that we knew I knew of in there as well, you know. Talked good about it, and I trusted them. And, you know, you got into knowing the president at that time, who was a, a follower of Jesus as well. And I was like, this is this is gonna be a good idea, you know. And you got very busy with it, and um, that's. I was in a property that was terrifying (laughs) to say the least for me to be in it was not what I was expecting and I was scared every single day going to work and I hated it I got even I guess I could say you told me I think you're depressed like again and I'm not in any medication I chose not to do any medication when I had Healy, and you know all that stuff when I would see my doctor and I was like I can get out of this like I just need a good mental redo, you know, and I was getting back into that. And so you're kind of off doing your club thing and I would come home and be with Healy and um, we would do stuff, club stuff together too, but um, it got hard to just be by myself again. I felt like I was just by myself Um, and you would... you know, I like kind of what you said in your last pod or in your podcast, you know, and I'd come home and from this horrible, horrible job and just need to talk to you about it, and you'd be gone. And you or you'd be on the phone. And so I just I I kept a lot of stuff in. Around this time we were starting to go back to church, or, we did go to different churches before, um, after Healy, and I, I didn't, I still didn't have a hatred for God or anything, it was just during that time, like, but I never prayed, I never, like, you know, thought maybe I should go to church, like, it it was just not existing in my thoughts, if that makes any sense. Um... So we started going to family church, and um, things were good. And um, But we kind of started, I, feel, I guess the words are we were just going with emotions. We weren't excited to go to church. Um, it was just something that we did to feel better for a little bit. We knew we needed to go, um, but then when we started when you started getting more involved with the club, and I just was busy with work and stuff too, we kind of started separating. And by this time, I'm 30 years old, I think. Yeah. And I, I don't even know who I am as a person anymore because I got married young. I had a kid young. And I jumped into motherhood and wife, wifehood, I guess, you know, very quickly. And I didn't, I didn't know who I was. I was just lost. I still, at this time, um, have self-pity of, like, I don't have friends. I don't have, you know, my family. I don't have all of these things. I'm just in this town that is hard to be a part of. And it's not, I'm not saying that to be mean-like, but... You know, a lot of people here were born and raised here together for a very long time. And it's hard to be, it's hard to put yourself in that, um, in that world.
0: It's hard to be an outsider in this it town. It is
1: hard. And and it's not, I'm not saying that to be mean to anybody here. It's, it's just probably just, that
0: way in most small towns. Probably, it's not, yeah, it's not a thing that's it's just, unique to Wellsville.
1: And so I caught myself... Back to the 17-year-old girl that I was in high school was like, fine, I'll just get involved with everything. So I start, you know, I was coaching dance at one time. I was on Wellsville Days, um, you know, and a lot of things at work. Like, I was just trying to be involved with everything that I could to get, just to get people to like me. <laughs> and, but then... I started hanging out with people that are just so negative. They are not making the right choices, but they were getting attention from people. And I was like, well, I want to do that. So I would start hanging out with them or do things that weren't... You know, I wasn't doing bad things, but I just... Started to do my own thing. You were, you know, kind of doing your own club stuff, and which was fine. But I would go doing my own stuff, too. So it just got to the point of our lives where we were just... We were just parenting at that point. We were roommates um, with a kid. And um, I I was trying to figure out... I, I think I even said to you, I'm just lost. Like, I'm not... I'm just, I'm just lost, and I even remember telling my mom that. I'm just lost. I don't know what I'm doing anymore. I hate my job. I really don't like the place that I'm living in. I really don't want to come home. The only reason I'm coming home is because of my kid, and um, I'm seeking attention. I'm yearning for some kind of attention from someone, anyone, um, just to feel included again like I'm I'm living back in my high school days I feel like I um it, it just got exhausting to be like hey I really like you we should hang out and then I never hear from them <laughs> and like that it's just that's hard that's hard and um so I just started to do My own thing. I started doing graphics on the side. Um, Now I'm doing grazing tables for people, you know. Um, I found things that I like. And I started to find who I am as a person in the last couple of years. And I think that's important. And something I always want to tell, like, young girls, you know, in high school and, like, in their 20s now is, like, find who you are. First, you know, like find what you like to do, because that's what I str- like. I can see that now of I know what I struggled with and I just didn't know who I was. And. But. At this point of time, you're more into your faith um, with Jesus and I don't think you were baptized yet. I don't think it was around this time, but you were just um we're going to church. You're getting more involved, and you're going to Bible studies and all of these things. And I, re- I was jealous of that. Again, with you, was that I'm like, you can, you're giving all of this attention. Why can't you give me any attention of this? And you know, because it was the you know club stuff, and then you would go to Bible studies, and then all of this stuff, and we. We haven't even been on a date in over a year, you know. And life happens; that's a thing. But I, I remember at one point sitting there, and I was like, "I'm jealous of his relationship with God," because I don't have a relationship with my husband anymore, and that's not okay. And I still was i I still wasn't like, "Okay, well, I'll just go to Bible studies too." Like I never even thought to do that. I was just like I don't know why like why I'm jealous that you're having a relationship with God. <laughs> so at this point, I'm I I'm, I'm kind of just checked out. I I'm more I'm I'm just alone. I don't have family here. I don't have friends. I just have Healy, you know, and I just I felt like we were growing apart and I was you know, I, I told you I wanted to leave and you're like, that's not happening. (laughs) And, you know, like, no, but you know, you're like, can we just work on this? Like, can we go talk to our pastor? Can we, you know, counseling, like you'll do any, you know, whatever. And I was like, I don't know. I don't know. Like at this point I, I was looking for jobs at my, in my hometown and houses. And I was just, I was ready to just go back to where I knew more people, I guess. And, be alone and um one of the last nights where i was like i think i'm just gonna leave tomorrow i I went outside it's probably like 12 o'clock in the morning one o'clock you know you're asleep and i went out and it was the most clear night ever so many stars out and I just like took in a deep breath and like stared up at the sky and I apologized to God for blaming him a long time ago for Healy and I prayed for the first time in years and was like I I just need help I need help I don't I have no answers to anything. I don't know what the right thing is to do. I need a sign. Like, do I leave? Do I stay? What What do I need to do? And um, that next day or, you know, maybe a week later, I don't know, it was, I got the phone call that I got that job, the new job. And you know how pumped I was to get this job it was everything I wanted you know it was closer and I got this job at the same time I don't know time frame wise but around the same time I remember seeing something on my phone that from a friend of yours that you guys were talking and you said and there was something and I instantly knew that I was like I I don't want to leave like, as soon as I saw these, it, like, it was a gut feeling. And I was like, I can't leave. I'm not, I'm not ready. I don't want to. I don't want to leave him. Like, I got to figure it out. We have to figure it out. And I started the new job. And I started getting, I wanted to try the worship team, you know, because I think in it was taught, you know, talking about serving. So I started to try to get on the worship team. And um, after after a while, we were getting more involved with church, um, but we kind of slipped away from it for a while. And I was getting caught back up into being around negative. I don't like saying the word energy, but it was a lot of negative energy, and <laughs> and negative like. I grew up in high school with drama. My mom was always like, why are you in so much drama? And that's what I felt like I was starting to get again with adults, like adult females. And I was like, I can't do this. Like, I can't do the negative thoughts anymore. And I have nothing to replace them with. And, you know, with drama, you know that, um, is it Burt Simpson? Bart. Bart Simpson, that that gif or gif, whatever you call it. And he like goes back into the trees. That's
0: Homer that goes back into the bushes.
1: <laughs> Jesus. I'm surprised I'm talking <laughs> on the podcast. But that's how I feel like with, with drama or like gossiping now is just that that gif. Like I'm I'm good. I'm gonna just leave. <laughs> and I wanted to avoid all of that. Like I I mentally can't go I'm trying to get all the me- the negative things that I have been dealing with for the past four or five years with my child and what I went through. And I can't go back there. (laughs) I can't go back to that state again. And so I I remember I did get off the worship team um, because I knew at that time that I don't think I went in it. I wasn't 100% in, and so I don't think that it was me going in for the right reasons, if that makes, that probably doesn't make sense. But I just, I knew personally that it wasn't the right time for me to do this. Um, And with worship, the more that we got involved, um, I went to a worship night. I think I went by myself. I don't, you weren't there. Um, I don't remember if I went with anybody or not. If you did, go with me. I'm sorry. (laughs) Um, But but I was there, and it was one of the most amazing things I've ever experienced in my entire life. The music and the feeling, the, the atmosphere was incredible. Like, everything that I have had negative and bad thoughts and self-pity and um just everything was just up in my throat at this point like it was just wanting to come out and I I I lost like when I came home I was just like oh my gosh you missed out on the most incredible thing ever because it was just like I don't know if that's what the people, the presence of the Holy Spirit, I don't know. But it was moving. And I was just like, I can't, I need to worship more. I messaged um, worship leader Sam at the time. And I was like, can I have the playlist to all of family Church's songs, you know? And so I started replacing all of my negative thoughts and feelings. And I was like, every time I feel bad or sad or whatever I was feeling at that time, I would start playing worship music and worship and Christian music. I switched, you know, I, I, I used to listen to music. You and I fight about music all the time. You
0: have a terrible taste.
1: Terrible. You, you hated my music. That's probably the only fights that we've ever <laughs> been in is about music. And now we listen to Christian music together, you know, and worship music and everything. And, um, that's, I mean, that's what I do every day on my way. And I've replaced it anytime that I'm like, hmm, I don't feel so happy, you know, or whatever. I start playing that and I feel better. And earlier when I talked about being confirmed, this is when I, like, started thinking. I was like, whoa, this is weird. My first, like, okay, I need to put God in my life. I am seeking attention from everybody else, and I've never thought to seek attention from God, and I, that's, after that worship night, that's when it hit me, when I was like, this is the attention that I've needed. I've needed positive attention, and no one else has been able to give it to me, other than that night, and it was worship music, and the coincidence of, I don't know, you know, that's not a coincidence, this isn't a coincidence, but, when you go to pick a saint, in, being confirmed, my saint was Saint, C- C- Cecilia, she's the saint of music, <laughs> and, for me, like I was, you know, when I've been thinking about this, with my test, I'm like, well that's weird, like, you know, I I love worship music now and Christian music, and for me to have that feeling of like I need this in my life to be about during music, you know, like that's that's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> to have that, and so I, I that's been on my heart a lot this past um, week. <laughs> I guess when I was thinking about it, but. Um, You know, so we started putting God first, and it changed our relationship, you and I. Um, I think that Healy and us, are like, we're parenting better. We started doing Bible apps, you know, plans together, and we both are serving again at church, and we've gotten away from um, just a lot of negative things that have happened in between us you know for the past couple of years and financially we've put God first and I think that needs to be its own testimony for For us Um, just because of how much debt we went into with Healy and with medical stuff and everything and but our life has changed tremendously Um, in the past I don't know six eight months maybe a little bit longer. I don't know. Yeah, it's,
0: well, I left the club in the end of September. September. So almost yeah. a year,
1: but um, you know, just so just in the last year, things have changed. I I finally have peace in my mind and in myself. I am not angry at myself anymore. I don't I don't have self-pity. For myself anymore, I have friends. <laughs> um, you know, I I I don't seek that attention that was negative. I I seek, and when I wake up in the morning, I'm excited to start my new day of my Bible plan. Or we are so excited to go to church again. And I get excited that I have my alone time just from here to work, which is 15 minutes of I can get two worship songs in or two new songs that, you know, are on there. Like it's just a completely different mindset now. And it's, and, and peace is the, the word that I can think of when I've tried explaining it to some friends, some girlfriends that have kind of known my story of, like, wanting to not be here and, like, be with you and, and to leave and stuff, you know, and talking about it now, I'm like, I'm peaceful. Like, I find peace again and joy, and I haven't had that for a very long time.
0: <laughs> I think a, a big part of what you've spoke about here, um, like, that you changed the music you were listening to, it's not just the music, but the things that we watched on TV, you know, we would watch, we haven't watched a series on TV other than Chimp Empire, which is an amazing documentary, <laughs> if you want to get into that, um, in, in, in this amount of time, yeah. um, we reading books or in the Bible or, uh, it's, it's just when you truly put God in every aspect of your life. The music you listen to is about sex and drugs and this and then just you know money and materialistic things and you know I was in the same same lyrics just different tune uh, uh, the music you know and it's just it's changed our lives greatly but
1: yeah well now you see the negative like now you see the negative you see the enemy more. You know, we say that every, almost every single podcast is just that when you're happy, the enemy is coming harder. And so you are around more n- the negative people. And now we call, like, we call them out. Like, we don't, we don't need to do that. We don't need to talk about them. Or we don't need to say, you know, we, we pick that out by cussing. You know, I was really bad at cussing. <laughs> and not the right good times and stuff. And now I am like, oh, like I know... I know when I know when things are bad that I've done, and I don't want to go back to that. Um, Philippians, that don't worry about anything; instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need, and thank Him for all He has done. You know, and I, I have accepted. I've prayed now more of like I, I just want to be happy for people that have babies. Who have families, who are growing their families, and um I have seen people now where you know I thank God for everything that he, he we have a healthy child I, I we have to be blessed with that and thankful for that, and now I see people, but just having this peaceful mind. I'm smiling at people's pictures when they have them on Facebook of their new families and holding them and their maternity pictures and things like that. Like, I have not done that for years. And to know, like, to catch myself doing that is a really good internal feeling for me. And my dear friend Megan, you know, we weren't friends. I I, I didn't know anything of her until I found out that she was having a premature baby, and I was like, I have to reach out to her. She doesn't know me, but I'm going to reach out to her because I know what it's like to have a premature baby and not have anyone to know what I'm going through. And now we're best friends, <laughs> you know. And so one of the things that Pastor Curtis has said, you know, that I remember from, like, day one when we started going, or whenever it was a long time ago, but... Um, There's two important days of your life, the day you're born and the day you find out why. And I always like hold that thought or that, you know, that saying is like, okay, well now I'm a NICU mom and I want to help other NICU moms and NICU families. And just to be there, like, hey, I get it. It's not fun, but I'm here like for anything. So I'm friends with Megan because if I was able to help her, there's been just recently you know a friend from my hometown has reached out about family there your nieces your, your niece reached out to us with about a family that had a NICU foster child I think even too and you know we've been able to be here for other NICU families now and I think you know there was a there was a reason for me to for us to go through that um And so to know that I can help other moms in the future with our experience, like that's it's it's pretty rewarding, I guess, in itself. When everyone else has walked away, or I've walked away, or just have felt alone and everything, now that I. In the storm that we went through with Healy, like all of that, we didn't have God. Then we didn't have scripture. We didn't have positive words and stuff. And I feel like now, knowing that I have him here and a follower of Jesus, that when our next storm does come through, I'm not gonna be. I'm not gonna. I I know that I'm not gonna go back into that horrible mental state of depression and everything because i have something that i yearn for positivity every single day that i will be able to use that if that storm ever comes again to have him here and i think that's just incredible it's an incredible feeling it's peaceful to know that i'm okay
0: I'm glad you said that at the end. If you would have said just that little bit there at the beginning, people could have stopped listening at that point. Because <laughs> that's really good.
1: That's... Yeah.
0: Being able to to look upward, keep your head up, look to God is, yeah. is huge.
1: I don't feel alone anymore. You never were. I know. But I... It's just, you know... you And we had family and friends around us the whole time and everything. But it's just... When you're in this... Tunnel, it's it's like tunnel vision, you know, and it's just nobody knows what I'm going through. Nobody has any idea. I'm alone forever, you know. Yeah,
0: and and Scripture tells us that Jesus has been tempted in every way. He's been tested in every way. He's been through everything that every person on earth has been through. He's been through it. He's been tempted and tested. And he never, he never fell. He never fell into the enemy. Um, and I can't, I couldn't tell you the address of, of that scripture, but I'll get that to you, though. Um, and, and it's it's just so true. And another thing I want to bring up, you touched on PTSD a little bit. That's, I don't know how many people... Don't realize that p t s d can happen to anyone p t s d can happen to
1: at any time
0: it's yeah it, it's 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 not strictly for soldiers it's not strictly for firefighters or law enforcement or anything like that it's it's a traumatic event and something that's traumatic for you may not be what's traumatic for me and whatever's traumatic for me may not be traumatic for the next person but it's a it's a huge thing and it's something that we can have a Another whole oh, episode yeah. on on just people realizing that you know there's there's real things when people think oh there's nothing wrong with them you don't know that yeah you don't know what they're what demons they have what battles they have you just gotta you gotta let them know that they're not alone
1: yeah well when we were watching Grey's Anatomy for a while with those seasons and then do you remember that night that it was a Nikki baby yeah on the thing and i just came out of the shower that night and i was sobbing and you're like what's happening <laughs> i was like the baby on the show <laughs> you know
0: i thought maybe the water temperature dropped below 155 so you're crying <laughs>
1: <laughs> don't talk about my shower temperature <laughs> no but it pt it, it's it's real and you know, back in that time, too, of, like, depression and anxiety and, and panic attacks and things like that, I couldn't talk to you about it because you even mentioned, like, I don't I don't understand what you're going through. Like, I, you didn't get panic attacks. You never had anxiety and you just kind of, like, patted me on the head, like, it's okay. <laughs> I don't know how to help you. I
0: think that's important, too, to be able to, like, I used to say that that stuff didn't exist. It was all in your head. Yeah. But it's, and I was dead wrong. Um, <laughs> but, and I'm not specifically you, just yeah. people in general say, yeah. Oh, I had anxiety. I couldn't do this. I couldn't do that. I'm like, whatever, get over it. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's a real thing. And, and just cause I've never experienced those things. I am like, um, get well soon. Yeah. <laughs> so call your mom. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thanks.
0: This has been fun. And I'm so glad you finally decided to jump on a mic and not just stand in the corner and whisper at us. I, well, I know. I didn't stand
1: in the corner. I, had a, I have a seat at the table. <laughs> no, thanks. Yeah. No, it was, it's intimidating. I'm not going to lie. You know, but you know my story and just sitting here, though, yeah. it's still, it's vulnerable. There's not a lot of things that I've shared, you know, of, of, I guess saying I'm embarrassed that I was depressed and things like that, but um, you know, there's. I hope that I hope that um, other moms and even young girls that seek attention and and think that they need to have the materialistic materialistic things and all of that stuff know that that's not. You don't you. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything. You need to be content (laughs) with what you have and be grateful. (laughs) You know, but it's just, it's, I just hope that that helps other women out there. That's kind of something I have in my heart.
0: It will. Yeah. I know it. (laughs) Well, thank you everyone for listening. Thank you for coming back for another episode. Um, Give us a like, give us a follow. On Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts, um, they have a little thing on Spotify. I just found out you can leave comments. Mm-hmm. A couple of people have done that. Uh, James, Michelle, yeah. have.
1: Um, I change the comments every or the questions every week. Yeah, so <laughs>
0: so leave us a comment. Tell us if you if you like what we're doing. If you don't like what we're doing, um, comment on Instagram, Facebook, all those things. Let us know what you think. Um, find us on on those uh, social medias and
1: Facebook the almost home podcast instagram at the almost home dot podcast. there you go yeah
0: and you can find Jennifer Stonequist on those
1: yes i don't know
0: what your handle is on instagram
1: ooh
0: if you want your personal
1: i don't know i think i'm like the only Jennifer Stonequist my jstone designs probably comes up first but there you go
0: yeah if you need if you need logos or um, or a big old giant charcuterie grazing board. Yep, hit her up and too. I'm your gal. Yep. <laughs> all right then. Thank you all for listening. I love you all and have a good night.
1: Bye.